Guess what? We are back. Hey everyone, my name is Daryl Rebile and before I get into this, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us for another segment of the Trench FX podcast. We're really so appreciative of you all joining us on this journey, helping us grow and really engaging with us in this conversation that we're having in our adulting theme, but in particular on this avenue of the theme where we're discussing our relationship with our parents and parenthood in general. So with that being said, on this next segment, we actually continue our discussion with parents and we end up rounding it out. And Tulane and I have a bit of a rant at the end. So uh, please forgive us if we piss you off. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> but that being said, uh, could you please all subscribe to the channel if you feel that it's helping you? And in addition to that, can you please share it with your friends, family, your significant others, your exes, the high school crush that rejected you, all those people, because we really want to get word of the podcast out there and try to reach as many people as we can. And if you are going to share it on Instagram, please do tag us so that we can show you some love by tagging you in our profiles as well. But that being said, let me not take in much of your time. Enjoy. You are about to enter into the matrix of our minds, interests, experiences, and conflicts. We are not heroes. We are not villains. We are just hopeful vessels looking to bring information, discussions, and enlightenment. You might not always agree with us, and that's okay. We don't always agree with each other. Here, we'll offer our vulnerable selves to you. So grab your spade as you join us to dig deeper. And welcome to The Trench Effects. Do you feel like it was worth it having our parents shield us from the truth of life? Or should they have been op- more open about what they were going through in their personal spaces? Um, so from my side, I think, I think there's certain truths that should be kept from us when we're really young. But I believe as you grow, your parents owe it to you to speak to you more and more about the realities of life. You do not want to be a naive 21-year-old. I think that does you more harm than good. Because like we know, in our previous segments, we, and again, I don't mean to be pessimistic, but in our previous segments, we alluded to how life is suffering and that life has ups and downs. It is not going to be sunshine and rainbows. I know it looks nice in your Instagram post that one day you're going to be swimming in milk and honey and you'll have your Birkin bag and you're driving a G-Wagon and you'll have unlimited gin and drinking champagne sitting on beaches and you have money and you have a high position. I know that looks cool and sounds great and it makes for a great hashtag but the reality of life is that there are ups and downs and i think parents should show their kids this and show you how to be responsible with those ups and downs but also there are other aspects to growing up which i think you need to be made responsible of like i think for me one thing which i was thinking of was the sex conversation now again coming from a black african household um, you know, that's it's kind of like a taboo topic. We don't speak about it as much, or rather, you speak about it, but it's 
it's never directly and when it does eventually happen directly i think oftentimes it's too late i think about if you had the sex conversation with a nine-year-old i don't think it's going to do them much help <laughs> you know you're probably going to scare them off but if you have it when your child's 18 years old in my opinion that's too late and i'm not talking about having the birds and the bees conversation now, actually hold up did you have a birds and a bees conversation, Tulani? No, my my mom and I still have not ever spoken about sex at my big age. Oh, hectic. Um, but yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> we pretend like it doesn't... It, it's not an existing thing in, in life. But you know, continue. <laughs> but it's like, you know, um, we had the birds and the bees, or many parents have the birds and the bees conversation with their children. And it's like... You know, and you have it when they're like 18 years old and it's like, we're not naive. Like, think about it. You had sex when you were 18 years old. You had me at 18. Do you think at 25, I don't know what that is? <laughs> so like, like, honestly, and I think maybe our parents may be guilty of that. Maybe we should have initiated. I don't know. But I think especially that conversation, because let's, let's be honest, Tulani, sex, it changes your life. Your mom having sex at 18 changed her life, like completely. It is, it's one of the things that affect us the most is our relationship to it. And I'm not even talking from an emotional perspective, like in every aspect, like um, if you use it irresponsibly, um, if you have irresponsible sex, you could end up with um, one of many diseases, right? It's not a joke. And it's like, um, if, you're, if you as a parent don't have that conversation with your kids, the repercussions of that are extremely high. I mean, I remember, right? Now, I, I don't laugh at me. But <laughs> so I remember in like, I think it was grade 8 or grade 9, I was 5 to having my first sexual encounter. I think it was grade 9. I think it was grade nine. Um, what? Yeah. Look at your big boy. Yeah, I was about, about 50, what, 15 years old? Yeah. I didn't know what a condom is. <laughs> I didn't know about, um, uh, what's his name? Um, you know, using protection. I didn't really understand what consent is. Though I, I did have, was getting consent from the other party. Um, you know, there are many things which I was so naive about. You know, I could have easily impregnated her and, you know, have a child of 15 and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's like my life would have been changed completely because I don't know any better. Because I was just, you know, it was what we did. Well, it was cool. Or, you know, you were a big dog among the boys. I mean, eventually, I mean, it didn't end up materializing. Um, mostly because I couldn't get transport to go to a place when her parents went around. <laughs> <laughs> and Uber's weren't the thing at the time. Pardon? Pardon? <laughs> And Ubers were not a thing at the time. And also, I couldn't catch a taxi. There was no taxi, like, around her place. And I would need to walk, like, probably two kilometers (laughs) from where the taxi would drop me off. (laughs) And then it's like, okay, so you're out. And then, like, mom calls. She's like, well, where are you? (laughs) And it's like, well, what am I going to say? But we see how big sex affects our lives and just how it changes us. But our parents never spoke to us about it. So I think something like that's definitely a conversation which I think should really not have been shielded from us. And I, I don't know why. Maybe someday we could have a conversation with some parents, ask them why. Maybe they thought it was awkward. Maybe they thought that we didn't know. I don't know. But it's like, you know, to have your parents sit you down and speak to you about consent, you know, about the meaning of sex. 
sex like all these types of things about protection even because heck i mean if you're gonna go have it at least have it responsibly right i mean that's the best you can do as a parent for your child um i'll never forget the conversation i had with my dad i think i was my second year of university <laughs> so um i'd come home because i was staying in rest so i'd come home um from the holiday and i was just i'd finished packing all my stuff into my car and i was about to go back to res and so i'm about to drive off and he comes he's like so daryl i need to talk to you and i'm like oh boy what did i do now and then he gives me a box of condoms <laughs> and he looks me dead in the eyes and he's like don't say I didn't warn you. And that was that was the end of it. <laughs> that was it. It wasn't even a conversation. <laughs> that was it. That was that was it. That was that was the that was it. But it's like, look, he tried. I could see where he was going with it, but you could see there was a um, you know, a bit of restriction with it. Um, but as we were older, I mean, I remember we had a conversation about, I think it was last year, we had a conversation about sex and whatnot and growing up and he was very open speaking to me about it. But I think part of the reason was that I'm a lot older now. And I think maybe for them, it's like in their heads, like, no, my children shouldn't be having sex when they're young. And it's like, well, some don't, some do. And it's like, oh, maybe the best thing I can do as a parent is make sure that, listen, if my child is going to have sex at 17 or whatever, at least I should make sure they know all about it and they can take the necessary precautions so they practice safe sex because I do not want my child to catch HIV at 16 or 15. Like, and so you want to almost put them in the best position to be able to practice it properly. Um, so I think that's like a really big truth, which I think shouldn't have been shielded from us. Um, and was it worth it? Well, I think everyone will probably be able to answer that in their own personal life whether it was worth it or not. And I think there is something to be said about protecting kids. It's like, well, I mean, eventually they have to leave the nest, right? If I protect my kid from everything, well, they may not be able to practice independence when they leave the house. And I'll be honest, in our previous segment, you spoke about how your mom, you know, for lack of a better word, told you, nigga, get out of my house. <laughs> um, I think part of the reason why she may have felt comfortable doing that is because she knew that you were raised in a way or she equipped you to be able to practice independence. And you've alluded to that a few times in your previous um, rants that you've had. And so I think that she was comfortable sending you out of the nest because she knew, okay, Utulani can take care of himself for the most part. I may need to help him out with advice for some things, but it's time he gets out the nest and flies for himself. And I think that... As a parent, it's important that you give your children real life lessons so that they can go into the world and practice whatever it is that you've learned them. I don't think protecting them fully is the right way because, like I said earlier, you know, being naive at 21, whew, imagine being naive at 30. It's not good and you will do more harm to yourself being naive at 30 um, than good. So I think certain truths should be shielded, but at a certain age, all truths should be revealed to you. Or let me say, all truths your parents are aware of should be revealed to you. So yeah, that's my, that's my two cents on it. And I mean, it makes me really think like, you know, Tulani, as a parent, what would you do differently? As a parent, ah, uh, man, uh, I would treat like, I treat my kids like bread, you know, just put it in the oven and let it grow by itself. <laughs> anyway, that's a bad joke. I'm sorry, it's not funny. But anyway, um, 
What would I do differently? I think I, I would have more open conversations. I, I would genuinely have more open conversations about life. And my friends who have open conversations about life, I feel like are better adults because they handle things better. They handle failure better. They handle heartbreak better. They, they just, and they're able to articulate their emotions better because of constant communication of like, okay, dude, we don't have money for X, Y, Z. And the reason we don't have money for X, Y, Z is because money is going to X, Y, Z. Therefore, what you want right now, I cannot um, afford it. And in the future, if we save up, we'll be able to afford it for you. And that what teaches the kid is not is learning that not everything has to be instant gratification. You saw what you call this. You saw someone, you, you saw a Nike shoe at, at, the, at the Nike store and you want it immediately. However, through better communication with your parents from a very young age, you can then learn, no, I can wait for this shoe. So we'll, we have a better conversation regarding this in the money conversation that's going to happen after these episodes. But we needed, we need to learn from a very young age that if you want something, you can save up for it. But because our parents sometimes make us feel that money comes from trees and from the sky, it's easy for us once we get to a point where we have to make money decisions. When the moment money comes into our account, we want to spend it immediately because we assume that's how our parents were. But if they get you deeper into how finances work from a very young age, you can have better conversation. Like the constant stereotype with regards to white parents and Jewish parents, especially, okay, white people are also Jewish and Jewish parents is that they have these conversations at a very young age. By 15 years old, when I went to like um, house parties with my white friends, sex was an open conversation. Alcohol was an open conversation. Uh, money was an open conversation. And they've, and I saw it in the actions that they dealt with sex better. Um, they dealt with money better. They, they dealt with alcohol and drugs better, right? And, and that's what I would do is just to have better conversations with my kids and also to be action-based. So what I mean by that, not say, for example, as, as a dad, not say that my son go to church, right? And then on Sunday mornings, I'm sitting at home, not going to church. We as kids learn through seeing our parents' actions more than what they say to us. So if I say honesty is a big thing in, in, in our child, in our, in our family, I need to act in an honest manner at all times. I can't say honest is a big thing. And then after two years, my son or daughter learns about me being dishonest about a specific issue at home. It then makes the kid feels like his or whole life was a lie. And I know some, some friends and family members who went their whole life thinking that their dad was a hero. <laughs> and then, sorry. And then they learn maybe at 15 that the dad cheated on the mom for like 10 years and they have an extra family on the side. That rocks their world. And you feel like every life lesson that your dad or mom told you 
is a lie. And then now you go through life with this idea that every man is a liar and every man will cheat. Every man acts in a dishonest manner because you saw your dad act in like different ways. And for you to think that, I think it's warranted because the person that means the most to you shapes how you view life. So, so yeah. So to be better, to have better communication, be more action-based um, rather than telling um, my kids what to do. And more importantly, I, I would take from the book of your parents, which is being observant and controlling your, how, how you express your emotions, right? So what I mean by that, so emotions are not a good thing. I think emotions are, are a great thing. However, you can't, you can't express every emotion that you feel with everyone. If you're angry, you can't constantly express anger to your friends and family. There has to be one point where you're angry and you have to find out why you're angry, right? If you're sad, you are, can't always be expressing sadness to the people that's around you. You need to be able to control when or, or how you express this anger. Even when you're happy, if you're too happy and the room is... It's sad. You can't just, you know, be happy, 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 happy. You, you need, you can't suppress your emotions as, as a kid. And at the same time, you are, you can't be overly expressive willy nilly. And the extreme, um, the, the extreme example of this is anger. Like some other people were told as kids that they need to be able to express themselves at all time. However, just because you're angry doesn't mean the reason you, of your anger is validated. Learn when your anger is validated and when your anger isn't. Yes, people can't tell you how to feel emotionally. However, we react differently to different situations. So just don't express, just when you feel an, uh, uh, an emotion, don't express it just because you feel it. You need to know and read the room, hence the observant. Read the room, learn about the other person, right? Learn why am I angry? Am I angry because I'm in my feelings? What happened two hours before? Am I angry because I'm carrying past emotions? And do I need to deal with these emotions before I express it to my friend, my lover, or my mom? And, and yeah, I, I'm relatively quick to temper and irritation. So I then have learned this. I learned this in the workplace more, more than all that, like, if I express anger every time I'm angry, I'm going to have a bad relationships with my colleague, with my colleagues. And sometimes I need to keep quiet. I need to bite my tongue and I need to be able to be like, Hey, it's not the perfect time for the specific, um, anger situation. I need to hold it. So those would be my three parent, um, actions that I do differently. It's yeah. Communicate, uh, communicate better. Um, tell my kids to learn to control the emotion, when to suppress it and when to express it and be more action based. Yeah. So what do you think? Um, so from my side, what do I do different? Definitely that sex conversation. <laughs> That's one that I'll definitely have when they're younger, probably at 13, 13 or 14. I'll have it. Um, not the birds and the bees, like the real, the real deal. Wait, bro. Uh, you might even have to do it earlier now because kids have access to, like internet who says they're gonna have access like, to internet boy 
Who says they're having access to internet? Oh, that's for me to decide. <laughs> okay, continue. <laughs> no, because no, because you know you can um you can do these things. So I mean, I can give them tablets. I don't know what age I'm gonna give my kids a phone. I'll be honest. Uh you know, there's uh, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I don't want to live in fear of oh my kid's gonna get abducted by it's like i mean there's so many kids in school the chances of it being my kid that gets abducted if kids even get abducted from school uh you know it's it's, it's tricky i think i'd rather and that's the thing rather teach my kid how to know this is rather teach my kid don't get into a stranger's car as opposed to giving them a phone because like i think you know i mean even i look at primary school how Kids who got phones, your relationships change. I'm saying the quality of relationships change. At, at nine years old, right, you're still learning how to communicate. But now you have this entire phone. And so you create an entire persona online um, and you're misconnecting with the kids in your class. I saw it firsthand. Where literally like there were kids who, you know, you don't want to speak to them and stuff. And they'll be like, nah, 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 we'll chat on Mixit. Or we'll, we'll use Mixias. Now you know how old I am. We used to use Mixit in those days. <laughs> and that was the major social media platform for those of you who aren't familiar with it. Was it was Mixit? The 2K guys. Mixit. There was Mixit. Mix33 was another one which people used to speak on. Um, MySpace. Nah, dog. Did you use MySpace? Ah, uh, bro. Uh, Soldier Boy was on I MySpace. I know. Literally, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Soldier <laughs> Boy got famous on MySpace, but like, we're using MySpace. Yeah. Like, what? What do you even not, do not on MySpace? Frequent. What do you even? What is it? Um, fa- basically, Facebook is a refinement of MySpace. So the guys from Facebook um refined MySpace. What what was happening on MySpace and made it better to create Facebook. Mm, okay. I mean, heck, the fact that I. Re- remember life pre-facebook and instagram <laughs> and it was good it was great it was great um but you find that you will we'll actually have a better conversation when we talk about um how social media has affected us as adults and then we'll we'll, we'll, we'll delve deeper into pre-social media stage and even how our relationships are like for example you and i don't see each other um, every day, but our relationship hasn't really had a negative impact because we're able to express the video calls and, and, um, and chatting on a day to day basis. So that still has that emotional connection, but we'll delve deeper. And I'm sorry for taking your time. That's no problem. But I think even with that, that there are, you know, about, it's about a percentage, a fraction of our communication is verbal. A lot of our communication is the tone of your voice, your facial expressions, your body language. That's why um, it's so easy to confuse what someone is saying when you're texting. That's why every time someone texts, you always take it with a pinch of salt. And that's something that I want my kids to learn. I want them to learn how to read body language, how to discern tone, how to see facial expressions. All those communications, it's a, it's a pivotal part of growing up, learning how to articulate yourself using your voice, not using your fingers alone. Um, and so, I mean, I can give them tablets. They'll have access to computers so they can do their school projects and, you know, all that stuff. But I want to put sensors on everything, on YouTube, on the internet, all that stuff, where they'll have to enter like a 20-digit code to, <laughs> to be able to access it. And I'll make sure it's like uppercase, lowercase, and special characters in it. So there's no way they can even figure it out. <laughs> and if they try to figure it out, it locks them out for a week. 
So they get grounded with no internet without me even needing to do anything. <laughs> um, but I want to, I want my wife and I to be the first source of our kids hearing about sex, not the internet, not a porn site, not, um, the bold and the beautiful or, <laughs> or whatever video that they get. I want us to be the first source where our kids hear about it and to have that conversation with them honestly and openly. That's the first thing that definitely I'm going to have with my kids that I'll do differently, definitely at a much younger age. Second thing is I want to teach them how to be decisive. I want to teach them decision-making. Now, I've been learning a lot about this because it's something that I've had to learn a lot, you know, being able to have three options and you choose what you want between the three options. And so teaching my kids decisiveness because I don't want you to be indecisive. You can't, like, it is, again, it does you more harm being indecisive at 21 than it does you good. You need to be able to make up your mind and know what you want. I think it will save you money. It will save you heartbreak in relationships. It will save you a lot of things. You need to be able to identify something and say, I want it or I don't want it. And if I don't want it, I'm okay with it. Um, small ways which I'm actually already know I'm going to do that is Christmas shopping. Right, go with all my kids to the, to the to the mall. Say, okay, we're doing shopping for your Christmas clothes, but I'm not buying them. I'm paying for them, but just selecting them. So I give you a hundred rand, or probably need to be five hundred rand the way inflation set up and the way the rand is weakened. <laughs> Actually, it's not even like five hundred. It might even rand. be way more. It might be like a thousand. <laughs> be a K. Yeah, <laughs> for your kid to buy a t-shirt and jeans, and I give yeah. them a K, and it's like you need to spend this a thousand rand today. So whether that is you buying, uh, one shoe, all it spending all on clothes, <laughs> and actually I'll go say, okay, you're spending it on that, but you also need to keep money left over for your lunch. So, you now have decisions to make. How much am I gonna spend on clothes? What clothes am I gonna get? And how much am I gonna leave over for lunch? You're forcing them to make decisions. And this is when they're like eight years old. I'm forcing you to make a decision. I'm forcing you to open those brain waves in your head for those neural patterns to be formed. Because if you can make decisions at eight years old, I'm fairly confident you'll be able to make decisions at 21. But that needs to be taught. And so that's another thing that I'll definitely do different as a parent is really hammering down my kids learning to be decisive. And with that being said, now, to everyone listening, thanks for coming so far on the journey. Now, I hope we aren't coming across as bashing parents or anything like that. As we said at the beginning of our first segment, um, number of segments ago, we were speaking about parenting. We love our parents. We appreciate everything they've done for us. Um, and if you're listening and you are a parent, we just want to know that we know you're trying your best and your efforts are not in vain. And so the next thing that I want us to speak about is Tulani, do you think that considering everything we've spoken about regarding parenting, do you think considering that our parents haven't had the best childhood, especially them being black in Africa? Um, you know, I know my parents are from the village. Um, was your mom, you said you lived in a township, so I'm presuming your mom was from the township. Um, so they didn't grow up affluent at all. 
Um, they've worked unbelievably hard for every cent that has come to them. And they may not have had, like, you know, may not have had, they probably didn't have. I mean, I don't know, Was your did your mom have her parents really present teaching her how to be a parent? No, was I'll, it, I'll, I'll explain as time goes. Uh, so it seems that she's been left to own devices. I know my parents were, for the most part, left to their own devices. So considering they had no example um, and their childhood, do you think they were judging or do you think we as millennials judge our parents too harshly for what they did or didn't do for us? Um, without even thinking about it, yes. <laughs> and um, and remember when I said that it's easy, hindsight is perfect science, but when you're going through something, it's it's hard for you to take yourself out of it and look at it from a perspective manner. So I do think um we are judging our parents harshly because if we are looking at empirical evidence especially to keep it just from you and i we're looking at empirical evidence and we're looking at historically where our families have gone our parents uh get get a 12 out of 10 correct me if i'm wrong in terms of where we are right now in our lives no let me you're completely right and i want to add something onto that um, actually, this is something I've been thinking about a lot. Not just that, right? Any, and I think to the youth, we have to be cognizant of this because I think that there is such a, how to put an undermining of black leaders, especially in the corporate sphere, um, where black managers or black leaders tend to be undermined, even oftentimes by black people <laughs> as well. And it's like, do you know that those people in their 50s and 60s, who have any level of success, um, they are the cream of the crop. Like they are, they are the top of the top of the top of the top of the one percent of the black population who are able to get there. And likewise, you who has who's tweeting about how your parents don't do enough for you from your iPhone. My gosh, and you're 24 years old, staying at home. Like, <laughs> no, no, this has to be assessed. Like, practice some gratitude. <laughs> I fully agree with you. Um, the fact that you, the fact that you still have the privilege of being home is something that we need to talk about. Like you are home, your parents are feeding you, right? And it's not Dog. to say, and 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 I'm not trying to say that they're doing a good job. There's nothing they couldn't have done better. Yes, but if we're looking at just data-based information. On where our parents were in at the, at their at our ages, they are doing a good job. <laughs> like, like uh, for example, like my mom has no idea. Um, my gran, um, the person I refer to as my gran, is actually um the lady that adopted my mom. She's not my mom's biological mother, but. She's done so much for my mom and I that I just referred to as as my biological gran. And my mom essentially was abandoned by her biological parents at like a very young age. So for her to be present in the manner that she is in for me and my two-year-old sister, man, I gotta... I gotta celebrate her every day. <laughs> like, like every day needs to be a confetti session with my mom and I. 
Like you mentioned how she did grocery for me. Like those are small details. And and now that we're talking and I'm thinking about it, what we fall prey to is a, is not appreciating, is normalizing what our parents do for us and assuming that that's how things are always done. For example, paying for university. Not everyone has the privilege of their parents paying for university. Other parents... <laughs> Wait, like, like legit, like, can I... And I hate to cut you off here, but just to even give a story, I mean, both, especially my dad, uh, my dad never, not even Vasti, my dad never paid for school. He was one of those incredibly smart um, boys from the village um, who went to one of the best schools through scholarship and then one of the best universities through a scholarship. He never paid. So him paying for my high school, uh, that was like a foreign experience to him, if you think about it. Because he could have easily said, well, you know, why didn't you get a, a bursary in primary school to go to a high school? Because I did. And it's like, no, he learned or rather he made the decision to say, okay, there are certain things which I didn't have growing up. And I'm going to try my best to make sure that my son has them. And yes, yes, I did not necessarily mean I think I went to the best school in the world. But yes, I didn't go to a school that costs 200k a year. Sure. Um, but I think he, they did the best that they can. Considering they had no example to come from. And here's the funny thing to Lani. It's like, um, yes. And again, I don't mean to sound judgmental or anything, but I think I need to be honest in this situation. So please take it with a pinch of salt. Tulani, don't you find it funny how... Wait, so we continue. So, when you yeah. said, don't be, don't be judgmental, I'm thinking to myself, what, what is this man going to say to me? Like, my heart is... <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, wait, is this guy about to insult me? And I continue. I'm, like, nah, I'm afraid like, right now. I'm like, okay, what is this nigga going to say about my life in public that he's never said to me in person that he feels like he needs to start with? I don't mean to judge you. Continue. <laughs> it, it may not be you, but maybe to some of our listeners. And I think that's why I've put that out there. Okay. It's like, do you notice how easy it is for us as millennials to be like oh my mom didn't teach me how to cook my dad didn't teach me how to change a tire my parents didn't teach me this my parents didn't teach me that so like you have to understand why i can't do them but when it comes to our parents we don't give them that same grace we don't give our parents that same understanding it's like you should know but when it's us we're so quick to point out how we have so many holes that we can't do but heck, I think our parents definitely have a lot more holes <laughs> than we have, considering how they were raised. But they don't make excuses for it. They just do no. life. And so they just do it. <laughs> but no, but like it is unbelievably, it's unbelievably hypocritical of us to not even extend our parents some leniency or some grace. But we expect it all to come on us. I'd say it's hypocritical and narcissistic. Because who are you to think that everyone should understand your mistakes, but when someone makes a mistake, they should know better because it's happened to you. It has to go both ways. If we want grace for our mistakes or for our deficiencies, we need to be able to accept that our parents had deficiencies as well and not hold them accountable for everything. I don't Wait. know, that's just my rant. No, I agree with you, right? However, you and I um naturally like to provide different sides of the story. So... um. I hinted earlier at looking at our parents as superheroes, right? And godlike. Don't you think 
And for some of us, our parents get pretty close to what God is in our life in terms of what we think of them, right? So don't you think that also plays a role in us not giving our parents grace? Hmm. I think there's that element, but in terms of bringing God into it, I think I have a slightly different take with it. And I think also it depends on where you are with your work with God and what you mean by God and all that, but I won't get into that. Um, no, but, but, but by God, but, but God yeah. in this case, yeah. I mean, yeah, like... we talk about Christian God. Yeah. Yeah. So I had this conversation with my mom because um, I think it was about two years ago. I was really reading the old Testament and I wouldn't even say reading it. I was studying it. Cause the thing, there's a lot of wisdom to be held in the old Testament. And so I asked her like, so mom, um, being a parent now, do you understand God better? And she's like, yes, I do. And it made sense because here is a creature that you have created in your image. It's a creature, a, 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 a being that is created in your image. And you need to love this being unconditionally. They slander you. They mistreat you. They take you for granted. You do so many things for them, which they're not even aware of. And you never get a thank you. Whew, that is so fire. I don't remember last time I said thank you to my mom. Wow. Mm. But think about it. That, And I remember I asked her, why do you think you understand God better? Because that oftentimes mirrors our relationship with God. Think about it. How many things are there that God has done for us, which we never say thankful, which we kind of just take for granted? You know, you they only come to you when they need something. And never when they it's have. Like, I need food. I need food, I need shoes, I need 3,000 rand shoes, I have a tour, I need this, I need this, I need that. And you just need to provide constantly the whole time. And how many, you know, how often would they come and actually say, I just want to spend time with you and show you that I love you. I think being a parent, you really understand God a lot better. And I think for me, it's like, well, and I guess I can only really answer this from a personal capacity. Like when I see how we as humans are inherently flawed, that it's impossible for us to be perfect, um, then I need to have understanding and some leniency on my parents that, heck, you can't be God. You can't be a God. Because if you were a God, you would be perfect. The very fact that you have mortality means you cannot be a God. And I think it is a very difficult, um, it's a very difficult, uh, I mean, these are very dense topics to understand. And I don't think it's something you would understand at nine years old. <laughs> Um, or even maybe even at 12. And I think maybe there's some good to that because the day you realize your parents aren't perfect, that is the day when your youth slowly starts to die. And I think that there is some value in believing that your parents are perfect or they are like gods because you have security for a number of years. And at least you have the, the, the comfort knowing that there is someone to protect me if things don't go right. And so I think maybe that's why even as kids, you generally fearless it's because you know i got mom and dad or mom only or dad only or my guardian my aunt granny grandpa whoever it is uncle aunt um maybe it's even just an older sibling whoever it is mentor we know that we have someone somewhere who can step in for us who we deem perfect and they can fight our battles for us yeah and so i think that there is some value in that but i think at a certain age um that idea starts to die and then we need to unlearn that our parents are perfect and understand that they are inherently flawed and have grace for them for the mistakes that they've made. I think that's the progression that makes sense to me that we should go through. What about I, you? 
I fully agree with you um, that we just need to practice more grace to our parents and and realize that at times they probably suppress their own ambitions and their own wants and their own needs and their own likes for us. And yes, we don't choose to be born. However, um, if we're looking at reality, some parents, mom and dad, choose not to be present in their kids' lives. So it's going to sound a little... Yo, I don't know even how to express it. But if you if you have a parent, whether it's just your mom or just your dad or both parents in your life, consider it a privilege. Consider it to be something special because not everyone can be afforded that certain privilege. Um, some people grow up without parents. Their parents pass away at a very young age and they have to be adults and they don't get to experience the youth in the way that you and I got to experience the youth. And we all have different journeys in life. But if you, if you had a distorted version of what adulthood is, um, then I think it's okay. Just appreciate your parents more. And appreciation doesn't have to be in materialistic and um, monetary terms. It's just a thing of like, mom, thank you. Dad, thank you. Um, you've given me all that I need. I lack nothing. Um, I know people from very poor households who feel that their parents gave them all that was within their means. And also, we have to realize that our parents have an un, have a limited resource of love, of finances, um, of just grace themselves. However, when they're speaking to you, at times they have to get over themselves in order to make you happy. And that is something that we don't take enough time to realize as adults. Mostly because we're so caught up with me, 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 that we forget the amount of sacrifices our parents have done for us. And you don't have to be rich or from a middle class family to realize that your parent has done some form of sacrifice for you. And I know that we don't all have the same experiences. Some parents might genuinely have been selfish. And I'm really sorry for that if you never got to experience godlike love from your mom or dad. Um I'm really sorry. And I don't we don't mean to diminish your bad childhood experience. But for those that, that have had childhood experiences that are relatively good just appreciate your parents more it doesn't hurt and say thank you more show a little appreciation because as daryl and i said they 90 percent of the time our parents don't come from loving childhoods they literally 
pivoted from what they deemed to be normal and went the opposite way because they wanted a better life for their kids. And they refused to accept what what was normalized in that specific example of them in their childhood. So, yeah, man, I it's just so... It's, now that I'm talking to you, like I had a rude awakening, like I had a revelation of some sort to be like, I really love my mom. I think she's done everything that she could with whatever that she could, or with whatever that she had. And I need to show more appreciation of that instead of judging. And this is not to say that she was perfect, but I need to be able to find a balance between constantly talking down on her her deficiencies and sometimes appreciate how great she was as a mom to me and to the listeners just take some time out to just look at your parents childhood because that will give you a, a sign of the amount of work they did on themselves to get you to get you where you are right now. So what what do you what for you personally, dude, what emotional attachment do you think in terms of going forward do you look for in a partner that you got from your parents? <sighs> Um, sure. Please explain emotional attachment. Um, we had explained earlier on. So emotional attachment is looking at your childhood and how to, exp- how to explain this. Wait, so that it, it is in its purest form. Let, let me, let me do Dr. Google. Um, emotional... It's actually called emotional attachment style. You type really slowly. Like you type really slowly. Okay, Daryl. Have you ever read um, a Mark Manson book? Nope. Is that that How Not to Give a Fuck book? Yeah. Okay, I got you. Listen. So emotion, attachment theory is an area of psychology that describes the nature of emotional attachment between humans. It begins as children with attachment to our parents. The nature of this attachment and how well it's fostered and cared for will then influence the nature of our attachment to romantic partners later in life. So in summarized form is the emotional attachment that you see from your parents and the emotional attachment that you get from your parents determines your ad determines the person that you likely are going to date in your adult life. Yeah. So I think, okay, I get what you mean now from my side. Now my relationship with my mom. And I think in terms of me finding a partner is definitely based off more so of my relationship with my mom than my dad. In terms of my relationship with my mom, so we have an open relationship in the sense that no emotion cannot be expressed in that space. And so for me, 
that's important, but at the same time, it's very natural in the sense that there are no demands on me to be emotional or to be emotionally available. And I don't demand that of her. It's a free space where we can, as we feel, release what we want to release. And the more comfortable we get, obviously, the more release. Because I think for me, when I'm in a relationship with someone and they're demanding me to be emotionally available, that immediately pushes me away. Because to me, emotion, it's not a tap that I can just switch on to fill your emotional cup and feed you emotionally. Like, grow up. Make yourself happy first. I'm not here to feed you emotionally. Um, yes, I'll be emotionally available. Sure. But that is for us to be vulnerable in our relationship because that's the nature of our relationship. But it's not for me to feed your emotional cup just because you want to feel something. Um, so immediately when I see that, I run away. <laughs> because that is not what emotional vulnerability is to me. And so even in my relationship with my mom, she never demands it of me. I kind of, I know that it's a secure space where I can let it go. And so that's my emotional attachment style. And that's what I'll be looking for in a relationship. And I think that's also the most authentic because now I don't have to conjure up random things. Like, have you ever been with someone? I don't know if you have, but I know I've been in a situation where you've been with someone and nothing's wrong. Like, really nothing is wrong. Like, I'm just chilling. I'm watching soccer or <laughs> or something. And yes, my face is serious because Manchester's probably drawing or something. That's why my face is serious. And it's like, you know, you find where there are people who are constantly trying to dig up some sort of emotion in you. It's like, if I'm not expressing myself a certain way, oh, you must have some trauma in your life. I'm sure something happened to you as a child. It's like, grow up, please. And I think things like that just irk me and they make me itch. Because to me, that's not emotion, an emotionally safe space. That's someone trying to fill their own emotional cup. So they're trying to create and draw things out of you that don't exist. Then they end up convincing me that you have childhood trauma when you really may not. And so things like that just irk me. So for me, really having a, a place where one, we can be emotionally available, but to also be authentic about those emotions. Where I don't feel like I need to conjure up things to fill your cup. That's what I look for because that's the relationship I have with my mom. You know, she is comfortable with me not speaking about how I feel for two months. And she's there when I come and I'm like, okay, so this, 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 this. And she's there to receive it. Because really how, especially how I work, um, there are weeks when I go through where I don't feel anything. <laughs> and it's not even that I'm bottling stuff and I just don't have any overwhelming emotions. I may feel happy. Yes, I may feel disappointed or whatnot, but I'm not in a point where I feel overwhelmingly emotional that there's some thing that I need to share of the sorts. And even the disappointment is kind of like, ah, United lost. Ugh, it'd be like that. Whatever, let's move on. Um, so that that's important to me. How about you, sir? Um, this is going to be tough. So if you have a thing for me, um, this is probably the best time to start listening. <laughs> anyway, um... Wow. For me, as I mentioned before, my mom tried to create independence and my mom was relatively emotionally unavailable. So, and she worked extremely hard. So what is sexy to me? Like, if 
if a girl comes to me and she she wants like a guy to take care of her and to be her emotional support i i don't want that i don't want to take care of you we 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 partners i'm not i'm not your dad <laughs> and and yeah so i run away <laughs> So I genuinely run away from situations like that, where it's like, yeah, I'm a guy, take care of me, you know. No, dude, you are your own person. Uh, be independent, you know. We are entering this relationship from a partner perspective and not from a dad-mom perspective. Yes, I might have to get over myself sometimes and do really nice things for you, where I tender for you, but... I'm not your mom. I'm not I'm not your dad. I'm not your mom. So for me it is now what I'm attracted to um are women who are genuinely very independent and I'm not sure it's because I like the chase or I'm just dating my mom. Women who make me feel like they don't need me. Sad. <laughs> like like <laughs> Like, yeah, I, that's just how my attraction is. Um, women who just make me feel like they don't need me and who work hard and who... Because for me, strength comes from a female perspective in my life and not from a male perspective. So strong women, by strong, I don't really mean like physical or just a woman who can stand her own. Um, that's genuinely what I'm attracted to right now and 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 yeah i think yo this is tough also i don't want you agreeing with me with everything that i say like let's have a conversation like what are your what are your thoughts what are your feelings about life uh, that, is your life so you? that, uh? is so imp- that, that is so important that is so that that is so important and like i think to add on to like, i don't even think it's them like Everything you say, they disagree, but it's like, I mean, if I ask your opinion on something, at least have something to say. Like, you know, let's have a conversation about stuff. Articulate yourself, form your own opinions, and express them to me. And it doesn't even have to be deep. Like, I mean, it could be on, I don't know, a piece of art, or um, what you want to eat for dinner, or what movie you want to watch. Or, I mean, we watched the same movie. What did you think of this movie? Oh, and yeah, don't be telling me you want Kim Kardashian's kind of life. Uh, okay, Kim Kardashian is a very successful woman. She makes her own money. So are, are we willing to work at this? Um, you know, like I'm not looking, I'm not going out in life looking for a mom. And I hope the person that I marry isn't looking for a dad, is looking for a partner. And partnership is is a give and take situation. Um, And yeah, but this is the end. Remember we said we'd answer a question. And in in a minute, because I I doubt you would have any additional stuff. In a minute, right? Um... Should our parents have prepared us better for the life outside of their protection? And how could they have done this? Before you answer, to the listener, maybe after listening to our conversation, um, this is the perfect time to also answer this in your own personal capacity. 
and you're more than welcome to send us your answers to our dms um even through social media uh, you're welcome to tag us and we can have an open conversation on social media after this conversation um we'd appreciate a dialogue because i think these are conversations that we generally all need to like know or talk about more so yeah one minute sir give it so should our parents have prepared us better for life outside of their protection and how could they have done this i think we spoke quite a bit on how they could have done this um, so I don't necessarily want to repeat myself, but should they have prepared us better for life outside of their protection? I think it's yes and no. I think depending on the unique circumstances, um, that you had growing up, that's a yes or a no answer. I think another thing that we need to think of is what does it mean to be prepared? Because being prepared for life outside of their protection doesn't mean comfort. There'll probably be more uncomfortable things that need to happen, more uncomfortable, very uncomfortable conversations that need to be had, very uncomfortable lessons that need to be learned. So we shouldn't get it twisted that them preparing you for life outside the nets is honey and milk and teddy bears and pillows. No, um, it's probably very uncomfortable. And I think, again, depending on how they raise you, it's a yes or a no answer. In my case, I say no. I don't think there is anything else my parents could have given me because they aren't meant to give me everything. There is some personal accountability and there are things I need to do for myself as well. Um, and also with that, to me, it's also just taking it with a pinch of salt that considering how my parents were raised, um, there is a limit to the accountability I can hold them to for what they could or couldn't do for me or what they can and couldn't do for me. And so that's where I close. What about you, sir? Um, I agree with everything that you said. So I'm also not going to repeat what you just said. And yeah, I basically just agree with you that my mom did what she could with what she had and anything above that I would be unrealistic in my expectations she didn't go out of her way to not prepare me for my adulthood um, she thinks that she's given me everything that she could and yeah she can only give me what she has from her cup um your mom and dad might given you something different from my mom and dad but that's okay because they have different cups right <laughs> so, so sometimes comparison is a thief of joy because i might look at your life and think wow daniel's mom and dad gave him equipped him with this and this and this and this and this but again they have different cups they've, they have different childhood experiences and they've got different thoughts so before you compare your mom or dad to a different mom and dad, consider the fact that we have different sets of eyes, experiences, and perspectives in life. So we are done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so to all our listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this journey for this particular segment of the Trench Effects. Um, we are going to continue the adulting series, but we've pretty much wrapped up us dealing with the topic of parenthood within our adulting theme if you felt that this touched you and you believe any of your friends or family 
could benefit from it, please send it on to them. Please spread the word. We really want to expand our reach for this podcast and have it touch as many people as we can. We've poured our hearts and souls into this. We've opened up uh, about a lot of personal situations that we face so we really hope that this touches you and you get some value from it and in closing i just thought of it now the next time you hear your parents say something like ah but i feed you ah but i put a roof over your head ah but i paid for your school i think before we react and say well you should do it you're a parent maybe we should think about what was done for them and maybe they are justified to a degree in believing that heck if i maintain you I've done a lot more than anyone ever did for me. And I think they may be justified in thinking that. With that being said, my name is Daryl Drabile. My co-host is Tulani Dambuza. You can find me on Instagram at Daryl underscore Drabile. And you can find my homeboy here at underscore Utulani. Uh, I think that's your name still till today. We don't know if it will change. Dude, Maybe it will change your joke we'll is getting old. See. Your joke is getting old. <laughs> <laughs> Leave hey me guys, alone. If you just um, type my name and surname on Instagram, there's not a lot of Talani Dumbuzas out there, and there's not a lot of Dal Dravilas out there. Um, we are the good-looking guys. <laughs> <laughs> Audi.